Good morning. It's good to see you today. It's a beautiful day. We are thankful for you being here. We want to encourage you to come back tonight. We'll meet again at 6 o'clock. We'd love to have you back. We appreciate so much those of you who are visiting. As always, we invite you to come back. We're grateful that you have chosen to come here today. We're very blessed to have a number of visitors come each and every week, and we hope and pray that if you're looking for a church home, I know that we would be happy to welcome you here to have you as a part of our family. We're looking today at a number of passages. The theme of our study today, why all the tears? When you look at the human family, one of the things that has marked our time here on earth is the fact that on many, many occasions, we as human beings have shed tears. It may be the case that you have shed tears this past week over some situation or circumstance in your life. There are a number of passages of Scripture that talk about the trail of tears of the human family. Every tear that you shed, every tear that you have shed, has not gone unnoticed by the God of heaven. You remember Jesus said in the long ago in Matthew chapter 10, a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without our heavenly Father knowing it. And then he drew this conclusion. He said, are you not much better than they? Think about all of the adversity and trial and tribulation that we as members of the human family experience literally from day to day. David the one that we're reading about here. David, you recall, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, had a child with Bathsheba. The text says the Lord struck that child. The child eventually died. But David fasted and prayed for that child. I suspect that he shed a lot of tears over that baby. There are any number of circumstances that come to the fore of our lives. There are times when we face economic adversity. We lose a job. There are occasions in life when a friend might betray us, as was the case with David in Psalm 55. There are times in life when we have illness, trouble with our own body. You remember Job in the long ago. Job faced some difficulties unmatched by a lot of people. Job lost his family, his fortune, his flocks, his own fitness, his own frail health. His wife encouraged him to curse God and die. And yet his response was, shall we not receive good at the hand of the Lord and shall we not accept adversity? Job would write in chapter 14, verse 1, Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. To understand that as members of the human family, our lives are going to be marked by difficulties. This life is not easy. In many respects, there is nothing easy about life. For some folks, it seems like it is a struggle every single day. Some years ago, I had the opportunity to conduct a funeral. I never will forget, after we had concluded the funeral, one of 
the relatives of the deceased, said to me about the one who had passed away. He said, it was as if there were a black cloud hovering over his life, and wherever he went, that black cloud, that black cloud stood. You know, that's life in a nutshell in many respects. James in James chapter 1 talks about the various trials of life, how they're common to all people. And what David is saying here in the long ago is that you put my tears in your bottle. They're written in your book. God knows when we shed tears because of the difficulties of life. And then I love what he said in verse 9. David said, this I know. God is for me. It might be that we're facing an uphill climb in life. And there are times in life when the situation might look bleak. bleak, It's very negative. And yet to understand that God is for us, that God is beside us every step of the way. Do you remember the children of Israel when they were in Egyptian bondage? Moses talked about that in Exodus chapters 2 and 3. And God said to the children of Israel in the long ago, He said, I've seen your groaning. I've heard your cry. To understand that whatever you're going through, the Lord is mindful of that. The Bible says all things, all things are naked and open before His eyes. Hebrews chapter 4. That word naked there means to lay bare. God sees all and God knows all. Now there's a second reason for tears in life. First, because of the difficulties of life, but then secondly, because of times of despair in life. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. In 2 Kings chapter 20, we have an, we have an account of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the good kings in the history of the nation of Israel. Hezekiah was informed by Isaiah the prophet in the long ago to set his house in order because God said, you will die and not live. Are there people in the world today that have received, as we would say, a death sentence by their physician? They've told them, you've got six months, you've got eight months, you've got a year to live. There are people that are living with the prospects of a terminal illness. The Bible says Hezekiah immediately turned his face to the wall. And here's what the text says. And prayed. If the doctor were to come into the examination room this week, and you're sitting there, you've been examined, and he's talked to you, runs some tests and comes back and says, I've got bad news. You're not going to make it. We can make you comfortable. We could, we could start some treatments. It might extend your life for a period of time, a brief period of time, but you're not going to make it. What would you do? I'll tell you what I would do. I would get down on my knees and I would pray just like Hezekiah did. And the Bible tells us that Hezekiah pleaded with God in the long ago. He said, remember, O Lord, I pray, how I've walked before you in truth, and done what was right in your sight, and been loyal. He was loyal to God. But then 
Isaiah said, well, the record says, Hezekiah wept bitterly. Not just wept, but he wept bitterly. You and I know that God sent the prophet back to Hezekiah. And here's what God said through the prophet. He said, I have seen your tears and I have heard your prayer. Isn't that in effect what David was saying? When he said, you put my tears in your bottle, are they not written in your book? God said to Hezekiah the long ago, look, I have seen your tears. I have heard your prayer. What does that say to us about the privilege of prayer? The fact that we have the opportunity to approach the throne of God and invoke His help. Jesus said that men ought to always pray and not faint or grow discouraged. Paul said that we are to pray without ceasing. Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. To know that as a child of God, we have the opportunity to pray to God 24-7. And listen, when we come before the throne of God, we're not bothering Him. We're not disturbing Him. We're not encroaching upon His time. No, Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 15, the prayer of the upright is His delight. God treasures our our prayers, just like He treasures our tears. God added 15 years to the life of Hezekiah. Now, I understand we don't live in the age of the miraculous, but there is a God in heaven who responds to prayer. Here's what James said the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There is power in prayer, is there not? And you think about here is Hezekiah pouring his heart out to God. And he is pleading to God. He's talking about how I've walked before you in truth. I've had a loyal heart. I've done what was right in your eyes. And here is God's servant praying. God heard his prayers and he saw his tears. So whatever you're facing in life, no matter how despondent you might be, the depth of your despair to know that there is a God in heaven just like God, just like David said of God, God is for me. There is, there is a lot of encouragement in knowing that God will stand by us and that God is with us and that God is for us. There is a third thought I would share with you. It has to do with Times of death. Death is a, well, it's a topic that most of us would rather not discuss, and I understand that. And yet, just like difficulty is a part of life, death is a part of life, isn't it? When you came into this world, you were born to die, right? The psalmist talks about how we might live to be 70 or 80 years of age. Our time here might be accompanied by strength, sorrow, and labor. But he says, soon cut off, and what happens? He said, we fly away, don't we? You remember back in Genesis chapter 23, we read about the death of Sarah, the wife of Abraham. She lived to be 127 years of age. 
She died in the land of Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Moses said in recounting that occasion that Abraham came to weep for her and mourn for her. I can't tell you how many funeral services that I've conducted where people have wept. Some have wept bitterly over those they have loved and lost. Death is not easy. Yesterday I had the opportunity to conduct the funeral service for Peggy Hunt. She was the fifth member of that family that I've conducted a funeral for. Now you think about that. Five members in one family. They're all gone now. And yet, to know that there's something on the other side that awaits us. I like the words of Paul when he said, I know whom I believe. And am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Yes, death is a reality. And we talk about Jesus and the fact that Jesus has the ability to identify with us, to sympathize with our plight here on planet earth. You remember in John chapter 11 when Lazarus died? Been in the tomb four days. Jesus raised him from the dead, yes. Mary and Martha were both distraught. They both said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. In verse 35, John simply says this, Jesus wept. One writer said with regard to the original language, the idea is that Jesus burst forth in tears. Why do you think the Lord cried on that occasion? Would it have been because some of the Jews disbelieved Him? Didn't understand His power, His deity? Was it that He was exasperated with those people? Is it possible that Jesus burst forth in tears because of what death had done to the human family? The Hebrew writer said, He destroyed him who has the power of death. That is the devil. He has rendered the work of the devil. He has abated that power, hasn't he? Subdued it. And on the basis of his resurrection, here's what Peter said, we have a living hope. That living hope is in heaven. He said it is reserved, it is undefiled, it's incorruptible. So here is the Lord Jesus. He understands. And that ought to say something to us. That when we face death, the Lord knows what we're facing. He's been there. There are a lot of passages of Scripture that we can look at with regard to the subject of death. But I like the words of David in Psalm chapter 23. David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. There's a lot, there is a lot of encouragement to know that when we ultimately face the sting of death, 
we do not have to die alone, do we? We don't have to make that journey alone because the Lord has promised to walk with us and to know that we can be triumphant over death. Let me give you another reason for tears in this life. Times of duress. We'll talk for a minute about Jesus. I said Jesus has the ability to understand our plight. The Hebrew writer said we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but one who has been tempted on all points like as we are, yet without sin. Listen to what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 about Jesus. Who in the days of his flesh offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him who was able to save him from death. And the writer said he was heard in that he feared. Jesus wrestled with the weight of the cross. The Bible tells us in Luke's account. In Luke chapter 22, you remember Jesus prayed to the Father. And he prayed about that bitter cup that he was to drink. And he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will be done. So here's Jesus battling, battling the cross, recognizing his hour had come. The time for him to ultimately give his life as a ransom for sin was now a reality. And Luke said, being in agony. Here he is agonizing over the cross. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. The Hebrew writer said he offered up prayers and supplications, listen to him, with strong crying and tears. Jesus shed tears in the shadow of the cross. He was about to drink the bitter cup of sin and death for the human family. Why did he do that? I mean, why did Jesus wrestle with the weight of the cross? Why would he plead with the Father, if it be possible, if there's some other way, let it come to pass? Because Jesus would ultimately become the scapegoat. He would ultimately, vicariously die in our stead. He is going to, as Peter said, bear our sins in His body on the cross. That we being dead unto sin might live unto righteousness. So here is Jesus battling the weight of the cross. And He is praying to the Father. And just as God the Father saw the children of Israel in Egypt, and took note of their plight. Just as God was mindful of David and the tears that he shed, and just as God was mindful of the troubles and trials that Job experienced, and Hezekiah and a host of other people, God was mindful of his beloved son, the hour that had come upon him. And you hear Jesus saying, I've glorified you on earth, I've finished the work you've given me to do. In the shadow of the cross, Jesus could be triumphant. 
It's interesting to me that in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says about Jesus that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why would Jesus, on the one hand, why would he pour his heart out to God, agonizing over the cross, asking God, if there's some other way, let it come to pass. But then, on the other side of the coin, with joy, look at the cross. I think the answer lies in the fact he understood the end result of the cross. He battled in Gethsemane for us. He died on the cross for us. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, speaking of Christ, he loved us and gave himself for us, didn't he? Because of Jesus we live. He brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He destroyed him who had the power of death. He disarmed him, subdued him, rendered death inoperative. I know we go to the cemetery. I know we bury our loved ones. But I also know that just as the body returns to the dust from whence it was taken, the spirit returns to God. And God is the one who assigns us our eternal abode. So Jesus went to the cross, and you think about the duress under which he was trying to bear up. Are there times in life when we too are under duress? Are there not occasions in life when we feel as if we are carrying a mountain on our shoulders? Sure. Are there not times in life when we feel as if we are breaking under the weight of what's before us? We shed tears. And we pray to God, but to remember the presence of God, the promises of God. I've said this before, but I want to say it again. This is the world of trial. We're living in a world of death. We live in a world of the dying, but we're going to the land of the living. I honestly don't know how people make it in this life without Christ. Do you? And you think about all the things that you can face in this life, and there are a lot of different things that come our way day to day. There are trials that literally sap us of our strength and energy. There are times in life when, yes, maybe we feel like waving the white, the white flag, giving up, but we plod on. We carry on. One of the reasons is because we're in Christ and we know that those of us who are in Christ, we're not alone, are we? Listen, we can make it. So I understand, I understand a lot of tears are shed in this world. A lot of tears have been shed. But to know there's a God, as David said, who is for me. There's a God who is for me, who is by me, and who will never leave me, no matter if I live or die. Didn't Paul say to die is to gain? To be in the very presence of God, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. So today, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I want to ask you this question. 
How are things in life? How are things working out? There are a lot of people, quite frankly, have been a tough road. There are a lot of folks that have never obeyed the gospel. Let me tell you what, you are solo in this world. You're bearing everything. But in Christ, you have the privilege of prayer. You have the power of prayer. You have the presence of God. You have the promises of God to know that when this life ends, and it's going to end, and you, you know, sometimes we think we're something. Let me tell you what, if you really think you're something, go visit the cemetery sometime. You see a lot of great people, they thought they were something too. But they've gone on. One day we'll go on. So if you're not in Christ, today is the day. You need to obey the gospel. Because outside of God, outside a covenant relationship with God, as Paul said, you don't have any hope. And you are without God in this world. And if you don't have God in this world, you won't have Him in the next world. What would you need to do? First, you've got to believe Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, He said, you'll die in your sins. And then you must repent. The Bible says God commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. The reason you need to to repent is because God has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness. Not only will we face death, but we will face the judgment. Paul said we'll all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. And then to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. To be buried with Him in baptism. To rise to walk in newness of life. To be a new creation in Christ. To enjoy all these great spiritual blessings. And what if you're here today and you're not faithful to His cause? What if you haven't been living for God? Is He interested in you? Sure He is. Will He take you back? Yes. Will He forgive you? Yes. So what would you need to do? You've got to repent. You've got to turn from whatever lifestyle you're living in and come back home. James said, confess your faults one to another. Listen to him. Pray one for another. We have the opportunity to pray for one another and with one another. It might be that you're here today and your heart's broken. Maybe your heart's breaking as we speak because something is just not right in your life. You need prayer. Not because of sin, but to be stronger. To get you through your troubles and trials. You know, the Bible says we're a part of the family of God. Family members stand together, don't they? Family members pray together. Paul said we rejoice with them that rejoice. We weep with them that weep. If you're here today and you need to respond to the invitation, we plead with you to come as we stand and sing.